Welcome to Girl, Water Your Grass. We talk about all the things to better yourself, your family, your career, your dreams, your goals, and your life, and how God's dreams over us are so much bigger than our own. We are just two girlfriends who grew up in the bluegrass state of Kentucky with five brothers each and have reunited to take our dreams to the next level. Now we're inviting you to get out of your own way, girlfriend, and come on this ride because on this journey of a lifetime, we never arrive. Welcome back to Girl Water Your Grass. We are so excited to have a very special guest here with us today who is going to just bless your time. Um, a friend I have known for a long time and really just looked up to. And um, so welcome, Marilyn Rhodes. She oh. is here on behalf of Grace Marriage. And Brad was supposed to be with us, but the Holy Spirit just wanted it to be the girls today. So here we are. <laughs> welcome, welcome, Marilyn. Oh, thank you for having me. And Mary Catherine, you've just been someone I look up to as well. We have kids that are in the same place. And every time I'm with her, she's just so quick to talk about the Lord and take things upward and, and what, yes. what matters. So I'm so thankful for that and so thankful to have the chance to talk with you guys this morning. We're excited. Awesome. So we would love to start with you just sharing. You guys have a really unique story and a beautiful story. And so we'd love to start there. Who, what is Grace marriage, who's Marilyn, who's right, you know, just share okay. a little bit about who how you did it all are. Yeah, how did this all right. <laughs> all right. Well, so Grace marriage, it really it all started with um when we were first married, we had a terrible marriage. And I love the verse in scripture that says, We will overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, because our testimonies are what God uses through us to help other people. So we had this train wreck of a first year in our marriage. So I came to marriage with all these expectations and, you know, we watch all these movies when we're a kid and as girls, we expect them to be our Prince Charming and for them to be marriage to be perfect. And we had our first fight before we left the church, you know, on our way to our honeymoon. So I always say the honeymoon was over before the honeymoon was even over. And we came home and I just went into this year of being so upset and i would probably cry to brad once a week because he didn't feel like he was loving me well and he wasn't doing this and at that time i was in graduate school in social work and i'm learning to counsel people and i'm thinking if i don't tell him all these things we're going to develop these bad patterns and he's not going to know so i mean i was just letting him have it on everything so i would just probably once a week burst into tears and brad's trying to build this law practice and and so He's pretty miserable. I'm pretty miserable. And I'm a pretty even kill person, but all of a sudden I was this roller coaster. And about a year into our marriage, I was, I just asked God, am I sentenced to a life of this? Mm. Literally was at this place. And God showed me, he's like, I'm your hope, not Brad. And you have put your hope in Brad and I'm your God and I'm where your joy comes from. You don't have to have joy from Brad, your joy comes from me. 
And I felt so convicted because my focus had been on not on how I was called to love Brad, but on how I thought he should be loving me. And he was doing the same thing. And that's what was causing this just wreck of a marriage. And I went to Brad and I said, I need to ask for your forgiveness. You know, I've put you in the place of God and you could never meet those expectations. I don't need you to have joy and I'm sorry. And I'm just going to start loving you the way God's calling me to love you. Mm-hmm. And um, that was the beginning of a turning point um, in our marriage. And then God got a hold of his heart and he went to a promise keeper seminar and God really showed him what it is to be a godly spouse, a godly husband, a love your wife in an understanding way to lay your down life down for her like Christ did the church. And so God began to do just this huge transforming work in our marriage. And at that time we were working with youth, started working with youth at our church and they started asking us to do their premarital counseling. And they said, we want what you have because God really took us from a place of me saying, am I sentenced to a life of this to finding joy in our marriage because our hope was in Christ, not in each other. And then we were just loving each other the way we were feeling called to love each other, not focused on ourselves. I love how you say this. We talk so much about, and in our here in Girlwater Grass, about how your life has to be ordered according to the triangle, God, marriage, children, work. And we talk so much about that. And whenever things are out of order, you will be out of order. That's right. So as you got back in order, everything started to fall into place. Everything started to fall into place. And then God really showed us even a little further down the line, um, the gospel in marriage, grace. That's why we called it grace marriage, because um, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So we're in such a works performance-based society. If you're good to me, then I'll be good to you. But if you're not good to me, I'm not going to be good to you. You know, the verse, what causes fights and quarrels among you? You want something and you don't get it. So when transactional, you, right? That's it's right. It's that tit for tat. Right. If they do that, I'll do that. If they don't, I won't. That's you know, we right. notice a lot of competition in marriage, you know. And I I tell people, uh, young couples that come, this is so indicative of what you're just saying of like when people tell you like the first like marriage is so hard. I'm like, no, I don't believe that, right? And I think that you're I was just talking about this with Aaron this morning, our other partner, and she said, you know, marriage is hard in relation to your level of selfishness. If you are selfish right. and me focused, it will be hard. If you are other focused and giving, it mm-hmm. will be very easy. That's right. And I'm like, this is so good. Right. Because whoever finds his life will lose it. But if you lose your life, you'll find it. And so, and it did. And to love is to will the good of another, right? That's right. So willing That's their right. good. Mm-hmm. That's right. And so when you understand that our marriages are to be a picture of the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's no wonder they're under attack. But when we think about what does a picture of the gospel really look like? That means when Brad does something wrong, instead of taking offense, I lay down my life for him. Now, that doesn't mean if someone's in abuse or um, there's infidelity in marriage, it is not grace to let that happen. But in the day to day things of life, I get offended and I choose to move towards Brad and show love towards him closes the gap. That's the ministry of reconciliation. That's why we call it grace marriage. But so, so fast forward, we're working with youth and they're asking us to do their premarital. And so we started doing premarital counseling and then our church asked us to be over the marriage ministry. And then Brad was in business coaching for his law practice and they would break away once a quarter, every 90 days to work on their business. They said, you got to get out of the fray and think big picture. And what are our goals? What do we need to do in business? Mm -hmm. And it made his business thrive. 
And Brad and I are in marriage ministry at our church and we're doing all the premarital counseling and we're doing crisis counseling. And we're like, we're missing the marriage. Like we need to get to couples before they struggle. And Brad likes to write. And so he started writing material kind of like business coaching where we're going to proactively help couples do well in their marriage. If you can get to someone pre-crisis, you have such a better chance. Yeah. Then like they say, it takes three hours of crisis counseling to, versus one hour proactive counseling. So if you can hit them pre-crisis. So that's what we started doing at our church and tons of couples signed up. And then other churches started asking us and Brad was practicing law and he went away on a mission trip and he came home and he said, Marilyn, we've got to do this full time. And I said, okay, I knew the Lord was calling us there. So we quit practicing law. And six years ago, we started doing grace marriage full time. We've been doing this marriage coaching for about 12 years now in our church and in some other churches, but for, full time, just us doing this. Um, it's been six years. So that's how we got started into grace marriage. So that it's been so fun to watch because you all really stepped out on faith. Like he has this big law practice and, and it's like so amazing to say, we, we don't know what's next. And we're going to step out on faith and trust God. And I remember at some point you all like did a cross country trip. We did. <laughs> tell me a little bit about that. Like, okay. So when he came home from that trip and, and I just knew like, you know, when you know, in your heart, like I had such a peace, he was like, are you not scared at all? And I'm like, God has called us to this. So we know he's going to take care of us. Yep. So while he's working to transition out of practice in law, we have five kids and I said, when are we ever going to be between jobs again? Like not until we're old people. What if we press pause for six months and travel the United States with our kids before they're gone? And maybe you could meet with some churches or we could do a little bit of grace marriage. But what if we just spend six months as a family before we start grace marriage? And so we did. And I told my family it's the best they could gift they could have ever given me. So he actually we didn't do any grace marriage. His board said, no, you haven't a healthy marriage is what's going to make grace marriage healthy. And you go mm. spend this time with your family. And so we did. We we went all around the country and visited bunch of national parks and homeschooled. And it was, it was, it was crazy and hard and amazing. And it was just a wonderful gift. So yes, it was I love it. great. Well, and I love what you said there of like, you know, I think so many times we lose sight at with whatever your mission is with your company of like, if you don't have authentic leadership and it's not rooted and grounded in what mm-hmm. is, if it's not healthy, the organization, whatever you do will not be healthy. That's right. And it's like, if we can fix marriages, we will fix society Yeah, yeah. because it is the backbone. Everything stems from that. Mm -hmm. It is. Yeah. Well, and it's amazing too, because, you know, if, if marriages aren't healthy, then families aren't healthy. And if families aren't healthy, individuals aren't healthy. And if individuals aren't healthy and on and on and on, you know, it's like, you just go down this list where it it completely impacts culture and it impacts, I mean, literally everything that goes around and it's, I think so often marriages have kind of been neglected Yes. now or nothing's done. And I love how you guys recognize it's almost like instead of waiting until marriages are in trouble, you're saying, let's fix it. Let's go ahead and preemptively work on that. I think so often people wait until something's broken before right. they start doing the right things. You know, I worked in health coaching for a long time. And one of the things that I would talk with clients a lot about is this idea that 
don't wait until your body is like, something's not working, you know, before you start making healthy choices. Cause it's way harder to fix something that's broken versus let's just be getting that up to par. Let's get it to a a space of excellence. And And then you've got maintenance versus, oh my gosh, I'm like way below you know, yeah. that, that baseline. average, yeah, mm-hmm. that baseline. Well, so, and I love what you always say. It's the same thing to marriage. Maria always says, well, we pay for illness or we pay for wellness. And so right. let's, get, let's start with wellness. Yes. Right. So and the majority us- of churches don't have any marriage ministry. We have children's yeah. ministries. We have all these others, but we don't have marriage ministries. And I think it's, it's, it's critical. Yeah. So. Would, mm-hmm. would you share with us? So what do you do? Let's say, you know, you say so you guys, have this beautiful grace marriage. So what does that look like for, for a church? If they would bring you in or you start coaching people, what bring it, bring us in a life of (laughs) the life of grace marriage. So people, so we've got a few different tracks you can do. You can do quarterly, which is once every 90 days. And that's what Brad and I've been doing. And I love it because we, we, um, we break away and it's for half a day and you come in and we have different materials and it's, there's new materials every quarter, but we have a few rhythms that we always do. And the first one is gratitude. Mm-hmm. You know, if you, um, so we spend, there are three rhythms that I love. So you get there and you focus on the good, the lovely, the praise or the admin. We're going to dwell on these things. What I love about my spouse. What am I thankful for over the last mm-hmm. 90 days? Cause we often are so busy. We don't take time to be thankful. So you talk about gratitude. You write a letter. Sometimes it's writing a letter to your spouse. Sometimes it's making lists of things that you love, and then you read those back and forth to each other. And that's just an encouraging moment to do that. We also have always an intimacy igniter where we have writing questions for you to ask each other where you spend 30 minutes where, or 40 minutes, 20 minutes where the wife talks and she and the husband just listens. And then 20 minutes where the husband talks. And it can be about issues in your life, or it can be ideas we provide you to talk about. It could be a, a trouble issue, but when you're outside the moment and outside of the heat of the moment, you can be more, it doesn't feel it's a safe place emotional. to share. It's not emotional. So people love the intimacy igniter. And then we always do a date night challenge. Brad and I've been going on a date once a week for 25 years and we recommend it to everybody because we are in a child centered world. You know, you talk about the order of things, God first, then your marriage, then your kids. Often marriages are falling apart. Mm-hmm. on the sword of children because they're sacrificing their marriage for their kids. But the best thing you can do for your kids is have a healthy marriage. Like I've got four daughters. If I'm not loving Bradwell, I'm not being a good mom. I'm setting an example of what a wife looks like. And so if I'm running and doing all these things for them, but I'm not loving their dad, I'm being a terrible mom. Mm-hmm. And I think I've heard someone say to like, parenting is a modern day black hole. You can never do enough. Mm-hmm. So we don't have to be at every single event. They really don't need to think they're the center of the world because they're going to get out of our house and they're not going to be the center of the world. Yeah. And, and they, they shouldn't be. Like, and they shouldn't be. And then that also, you know, I kind of thought I was the center when we first got married and it didn't go very well for me. Didn't go so well. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> so, that's like bad. Really to be. True. And we talk so much about the most beautiful gift you can give your children is a beautiful marriage. That's right. Not one that's existing, not one where you're high-fiving while he's going to this ball field and you're going to this music lesson but a beautiful marriage of togetherness, of serving each other, of loving each other. Well, like it's healthy for your kids to see you kiss your spouse. Yes. Yes. To see you know, you know what us spending time together supersedes mm-hmm. your softball practice. And not yes. to say that, you know, we have to keep it in balance. And when you have big families, you have to choose. 
Yes. And you, you have really to be do. like, because mm-hmm. where we spend our time is our priority. That's right. And it's, so, yeah, it's so fabulous. That's, well, that's the, so that's enough. So those three rhythms are in it every time. The mm-hmm. date night challenge. How, okay. How much time are you going to spend together this quarter? Are you going to date once a week or is it every other week? And I really recommend no less than every other week. And if yeah. you have to trade babysitting, we traded babysitting for years when our kids were small. We traded with another couple. I mean, what you don't have to spend a lot of money. We'd brew a yeah. cup of coffee and go sit on the river and just talk yeah. because it's just spending time together and communicating. It's so important. So those three things, but then we always talk about grace. We talk about things like technology, sex, communication. So there's always a different topic too, a few different lessons on that as well. But you're spending time talking with a group, you learn from other couples. So that's what, so there's quarterly and there's monthly, there's a small group model. So we have a few different ways that you can go about doing grace marriage, but it's an ongoing protective approach to marriage is what we try and encourage couples. Do not wait till you're struggling. And sometimes people early on would apologize. You know, we, we're okay, but we want to do grace marriage. And I'm like, oh, I, I long for the perspective to shift, not someone having to apologize yeah, yeah. working on their marriage. Yeah. Everything else in life, we know we have to work at it for it to thrive, but we think marriage should just happen. Mm-hmm. I don't know why that is. We think, well, think marriage should culture. just be okay. It right? is. Like our culture mm-hmm. just shows, like you said, the movies and the white picket fence, and then you get married. And then I think, you know, it's the natural what's next. Like you go to high school, what's next? Most people in our culture go to college. What's next? You find your guy and you get married. What's next? Oh, when are you going to have kids? Oh, what's next? And I think it's like, this is all it is. Like, no, it's actually work, mm-hmm. but it's work worth doing. That's and right. Acknowledging and changing the narrative of like, you, just like you set goals at work, mm-hmm. just like you set goals for your children and milestones. Like, what are you doing? How are you working on your marriage? Mm-hmm. And what are you doing to keep it healthy? That's right. right? Well, what have you know? What have you noticed? What have been the big um, like stumbling block spaces for people. Cause obviously, you know, you guys have worked with a lot of couples over the years. What have you noticed are kind of the big sticky points for people that's getting people in trouble. That's not being addressed beforehand. Okay. I, I think part of it is, um, what our culture has fed us. So we do think our marriage should be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also people think, well, I'm just not in love with them anymore. And that's, that's just, that's just a lot right those kinds of things because love is an action and if you act right the feelings will follow and the grace shift lots of people have said when i shifted our marriage from performance to under grace it was a game changer and it was for brad and i too because we're all going to mess up we mess up every day so we all need grace my daughter got married last saturday and i needed a lot of grace the week before the wedding No, Brad had to extend a lot of it. And there are times where he needs it and I've got to extend to him. But that's that's the beautiful example of Christ when we do that, when we you can get over things so much faster. Brad and I can have a bad night and laugh about it the next day. But before you get grace, if you're in this performance trap, if you get mad at each other, you can go weeks angry at each other. Mm. And we hear couples talk about months. They're not coming together intimately. And and so but when you get grace and you realize, okay. Well, I was a sinner Christ died for me and my husband's struggling right now. And rather than take offense, I'm going to have a rescue mentality. I'm going to go to war for my spouse. You will weather the storms of life and get over things so much faster. Mm. So I think a sticking point is just this performance trap. I think that's one of the very biggest ones. 
you know, in communication or the way people communicate. But even when communication isn't going well, because that's that's really hard. We all need grace for that on a regular basis. I know one night Brad and I were going on a date and he hurt my feelings and we're getting ready to go for a run. And and I I thought, I am I, Satan, I am not going to let you ruin my date. And I'm like, I'm going to get over this. I'm going to love him well, even though he hurt me. And I just was preaching it in my head and we had a good date night. I could just let it go because we're just miserable when we hold on to these things. And, and that's why, and he even tells us in scripture that, that our marriages are that's to be a picture of the gospel. So, and it is, it's the most, there's no harder place to practice servanthood. I mean, you're with each other more than anybody else. You see your worst, you see your best. So um, what about when you have a couple that you're working with and, and they are kind of in crisis mode? Um, what, what kind of things do you try to tell them to, do you refer them to counseling or do you say, here's some, here's some things that I want you all to work on to help you get out of crisis mode. I think so many times we are so quick to see this, you know, to see the, uh, beam in another's eye, but not to look in the mirror. Yes. And, and I know from the outside in, sometimes when you're looking at people, you're like, well, you're talking bad about your husband all day long. Like mm-hmm. I see your problem, but how do you help that person see that you're just mudslinging each other and like to help stop, stop the spiral to, of getting to the crisis. Yes. Yes. So we do counsel with couples and, um, there are times depending on the depths of the issues where they might need very specific counseling. If there's certain kinds of abuse or, um, even in their past sexual abuse, that's such a huge pornography. These things are a huge piece in our society. Now there's, it's so, and it can wreak havoc on marriages. If, if you're in one of those places, you are not alone. So many people struggle in this place and there is help out there and you do need counseling for that. Um, and that what we try and help couples see that often, if you will shift your perspective, like you said, the plank, like, I mean, I could have listed you a hundred things I didn't like about Brad, our first year of marriage. I wasn't thinking a thing about what I was doing wrong. Mm-hmm. And so if you can help couples see and shift often couples that are in crisis can make a huge dramatic change in a short period of time. If they get grace, they really can. Is there something you can tell them to, because I think, I think criticism is very hard for most all of us. Mm-hmm. And, but if we can't receive criticism, we can't actually change, right? If we're not aware, like you said, I wasn't aware of what I was doing wrong. And we all have been there. Mm-hmm. Is there something you all have been able to discover or offer to couples to help them look in the mirror versus always abdicating responsibility to their spouse. Yes. Well, hopefully I think in the materials, it talks about that pretty much throughout. So as you're going through each time you're in the materials, it's um, you're reflecting on you. Like I'm responsible for my part, not Brad's, Mm -hmm. you know, and if I'm focused on Brad or even when we're doing a technology lesson, I, I mean, I can throw stones or I can be, okay, Lord, what are you calling me to with technology? Because there's always, I mean, that's a huge issue with couples now, technology and their phones and couples aren't communicating. I know Boundaries you, you go outside, you go out to dinner and you see couples just sitting on their phones and they're not talking to each other. But yeah, you see but, that a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you might think, hey, my spouse struggles more with the phone than I do. So if they're on their phone, then you just pick up your phone. Well, I'm going to get use as an excuse to get on yours rather than no, don't put you, pick your Tip phone. For chat. Right. No, I'm going to sit here, I'm going to pray and I'm going to wait and I'm going to set an example. And, and this is a hard one, but just ever, um, and all of these issues, 
I think that um, it's so important to to see it from the realm of grace and what God's calling you to and where you're and where your hopes found. And but we do we definitely in counseling if you're one on one with a couple now that grace marriage curriculum and materials is not for crisis counseling because you're doing it in a group setting. Um, you can do it online too. I didn't mention that there's grace marriage at home. So if a couple wanted to get started in grace marriage, they could do grace marriage at home. Like if it's not in your area. Yes. In your own home, you can do it. But, um, if we're counseling with a couple and we see this, I mean, we'll definitely point out, look, you're really focused on your spouse and your, your focus needs to be on you. Or if someone's really harsh or strong, that pointing out, look, the way you're communicating is not healthy or effective. So there are definitely times in counseling where you have to go specifically to the the major issue that's at hand. But so often, so many of these things could be avoided, like you're saying, if we just take a proactive wellness approach to it. Well, Mm -hmm. what have you, what about, because we know even just from, from coaching women, you know, porn comes up a lot and the way that it's affecting marriages and how you guys handle that. What do you guys do? You know, when couples come with that being, you know, because it, it's it's so the stats are staggering on how common yeah. it is. In staggering, oh, it's, it's staggering. It's, it's, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's so just easily accessible. Mm-hmm. There, there are so many more helps out there now. I think it's. I think people are understanding before. People do want to be so private about it, and then they feel like right. they're the only ones struggling. But there are support groups. There are help groups. You can do things. I know we have. Um, covenant eyes you can have accountability partners on your computers we have that with lots of people there are good books one book that is great for if there's been abuse in your past is um can't think of the name of the author but rid of my disgrace but there are good um we just try to put them get them to the resources they need to get help for this struggle because that one is huge and prevalent and then also for the spouse who's been offended like how do i Mm-hmm. How do I walk healing. through this well with my spouse and, and, and get healing? So it is, it is definitely, it's definitely a problem. Well, mm-hmm. and for any of you listeners out there that you're embarrassed by this, I mean, we've seen upwards of stats of 85% of, of marriages struggle with pornography addiction yeah. and to know that it is an addiction yeah. and mm-hmm. it is something yes. that is not, you, you don't need to hide it, but you need to get help from it. Just like right. you would if you're, if you have an alcohol problem or a drug problem, it's an addiction and there is help out there. Yeah. I know locally we have a great, um, guy, his name, his name is Ethan Bennett. He's works with porn addiction and he's, I've heard <laughs> phenomenal things about him, but knowing yeah. it is an addiction, there is help out there and that you're not alone yeah. because <laughs> it is, it, it is not something I think let's say your husband is struggling with that. What, what I've experienced, they're not out just to hurt you, but in turn, but with right. what their behavior is, they are hurting you, but right. then now they're in this cycle of addiction. And so just, and on top of it. Yeah. When on top of that, then you tie in shame, you know, on top of that. And sometimes I think the response for women can, or, or men, you know, like, cause both men and women struggle with it can be t- piling shame on top of shame or shaming yes. each other, you know, and, 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 you know, from, from what I have seen, that just does not seem to be helpful in any way to perform to put shame on top of shame rather than recognizing that, you know, this is something that people do struggle with and that there is net is there, there's both grace that's necessary and mercy that's necessary. And then also very practical help that is also and healing, like giving yourself that space. Totally. Mm-hmm. Yes. something so prominent in, in our culture. And so for any of the listeners wow. out there, and, and sometimes I think the other spouse doesn't know, they know there's a problem, 
Yeah. But they may, they may not know that there's a porn addiction. And so that's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a valid question in our culture today to say, maybe this is a problem that I haven't recognized mm-hmm. yet. And yes. so you can't fix a problem that you don't know about, but being really honest and open in order to get to that place. And, you know, we all are going to have hills and valleys in our marriages. And I think like when you push through the fire and you get yeah. to the other side, it's always worth it. It is. Yeah. It's, it's, it's more beautiful. We have watched when you watch couples who have been in crisis, get to the other side, mm-hmm. they're like, this is so much more beautiful than I ever dreamed it could be. And I, yeah. it's so sweet to see. And that, that can be the case with there's been porn in the past. I mean, so many things that's yeah. just, Mm-hmm. What would you say? So looking back on, you know, your first, how hard your first mar- year of marriage was, what, mm-hmm. knowing now what you know, what would you have done differently? Oh, and I've already tried doing it with my daughters because That's what I was going to say, what did you, especially <laughs> with your daughter getting married, you, you know, you really, yes. <laughs> share yes. with yeah. your, you know, your husband is not your hope. Christ is. And even when I would, I mean, I love fairy tale movies. I love them. But at the end, sometimes those songs, you know, there was one and it was in like Cinderella two or something. I've got four daughters. I have so many, but she's talking about the perfectly perfect, perfect year. There's a song called that. And I started and I like stopped. I'm like, okay, it's, it's, it is not, it is not, this is not real. I mean, so even when they were little and they're like, oh, here goes mom, she's going to preach again, but just trying to show them and tell them like, there's, there's no one perfect. There's only one praise God. And yeah. And he died. For and you're us. not perfect either, right? And that's right. There's no perfect mom. <laughs> and yeah, and yeah. so, and the best example I can show my kids is to say, I'm sorry when I blow it and um, ask for forgiveness and say, look, there's praise God. There's one perfect. And he died for even my messes because we do, we blow it. Mm-hmm. We're going to blow it in marriage. We're going to, you know, mess yeah. up with our kids. And so, yes. So absolutely trying to encourage them, but then also just, Yes, I have with my daughter, probably giving her more talks than she wanted. <laughs> and but, but, let's, know, let's give people a little bit of a little bit of that, you know. So let's say your daughter is in the room. What what did some of those, you know, because there's moms out there who are listening to this who have daughters, you know, what did those talks look like? Well, okay, so you know, one thing I do, um, there's a book, and I always I give this book away um when people get married, and it's it's by Gary Thomas and called sacred marriage and on the cover, um, what if marriage were created to make you holy rather than happy? Mm-hmm. And it's just a perspective shift on marriage. So I had my daughters read sacred search. He also has written that. And that's for, if you're dating sacred search is an outstanding book. So my daughters have read that book, but just have tried to share that. Look, marriage is not about you. This institution God created because it works. It creates family. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Tim Keller talks about in the meaning of marriage that we've shifted. You know, 50 years ago, people, they respected the institution of marriage. Yeah. And you weren't getting married for selfish reasons. But just through media and movies and all of this, it just 25 years ago, when I was 26 years ago, when I got married, I had already shifted into that focus. Like, he's going to fulfill me what he's going to give to me. And that's what just set me up to fall and for him to fail to both of us. Mm -hmm. So marriage is, it's, it's sacrifice. It's selflessness. It, there is nothing that's more exposing of selfishness than marriage. And so you are going to learn to be selfless in a whole new way. Mm -hmm. You go from single to married. And when you're single, you can do anything you want. 
Mm-hmm. But when you get married, every single decision you make, you have to consider the interest of another. Mm-hmm. So those kinds of conversations I've had with her, had some sex talks with her that really embarrassed her. <laughs> I gave her some good books to read, but just the, it's really important. It's yeah. important. Yes. I mean, my mom and I didn't have any of those talks and I kind of mm-hmm. went in clueless. And I think there's so many good yeah. books out there that really are helpful that can help you. Um, and, and like busting through, like, this is going to be awkward and we're going to do it anyway, just like in marriage yeah. of like, we can do hard things. And people, I think in our culture, we have this expectation that life is easy and that there's no value in suffering. And, and, you know, we have both and just recognizing when you do hard things together and you walk through the fire, you will come out refined and better. And like you champion, like you train for a marathon and you high five because you did the hard thing and yeah, marriage, like you go through the hard times, but you do it together and you come out and you, you know, it's, it's good for us and it builds intimacy mm-hmm. and it builds trust and it, it builds a stronger bond. So it's, Oh, it's beautiful. When you go is. through hard things together, it just enriches and deepens your relationship. So I always remember someone telling me like, when you don't want to, in your marriage, when you want to go the opposite way and you are like, so mad at will cling, cling together, right. even yes. when you're mad, like cling mm-hmm. together. And I've always thought about that of just like, even when you're like, I don't want to sleep in the same bed, you know, never let the sunset on our, on an argument, but like always we have made it like a pact that we will always Mm -hmm. like, we'll never sleep in separate beds. Obviously if he's traveling or something for work, but like, especially when you're mad, like clinging together, I'm so mad at you and you're clinging together and you're like, you can't be mad. Yes. Well, that's right. And then sometimes like even pursuing your spouse sexually, when you're angry at him, like that can be the, yeah, one of the very best things you can do. Just to, I mean, it, that act is so, it's a mystery Call you know, Paul calls it a mystery. This, and it is, it's a beautiful mystery and it impacts every other part of marriage. And when you're struggling and you don't want to, sometimes the best thing you can do is. Yeah. Yeah. To give of oneself, right. To your spouse. And then it just, it's almost like a reset. It is just, um, there's, I've jokingly said before, there's a verse that, you know, love covers a multitude of sins. I've said sex covers multitudes. <laughs> yeah, it really does. It's so helpful. And I just, we've watched couples that go months without coming together because they're mad at each other. That is so dangerous. And it just sets you up to struggle even more when if you will, if you'll pursue each other, do hard things, even. Yeah. <laughs> even and follow when it's your part of having yes. to be nice. Yes. Yes. It's, 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 it's interesting too, because I think you see how much the enemy attacks people, you know, both like, it's like in dating, the temptation is to just sleep with your partner, you know, just like, okay, let's, 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 or even have more of a promiscuous life, whatever. But then in marriage, when you should be engaging with one another in an intimate way, it's like, there's all this stuff to like, oh, don't do it because we're angry because this there's, and it's just interesting to me how much the enemy attacks. It's like flip-flopping it. It is a sex, right? Like this is meant to be something so beautiful Mm -hmm. and so good and so life-giving and so really, you know, skyrocketing. To bring you together. Yeah. You know that sex in marriage is the most satisfying sex. Mm -hmm. I mean, studies show that. Right. You know, the world has perverted it and Mm -hmm. twisted it in every single way, but you're right. He did. Satan does everything he can to get you to have sex outside of marriage. But then once you're married, he does everything he can to keep you from having it. Mm -hmm. And because it's that important, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful part of marriage and it's, and it can't be, 
put on the back burner. It's got to yeah. be a priority too. It has to be a priority. When you have small kids and you feel like I have nothing left, you have to save a provision energy for your spouse. Yeah. That's not, you just, it's so important. When I was, so I have a band and women's ministry um, called his own and the, the, I sing with two other girls and we, whenever mm-hmm. we'd be traveling, we would always notice which couples were married, which couples were dating because the couples that were married would never touch each other. And the couples that were dating couldn't keep their hands off of each other. And we were like, isn't that sad that that's a situation? Because in some ways you, you should be having physical contact or more that like, Hey, like those touches of love, right. Even yes. more in marriage than when you're dating, you know, cause there's like a, a yes. building on and we're like, it's so backwards that that's the case. Uh-huh. And it's something that we all, all three of us, the other two are married now, but we've talked about where, wow, that needs to be an intentional shift that uh-huh. making sure that, cause I guess it just becomes so mundane. Oh, well, I see this person all the time. It's not significant anymore, whatever, that there's something that shifts rather than that intentionality of that touch of love that like, Hey, I see you, I'm with you, yes. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And God knows what he's doing to become one for a reason, right? That's that right. you are united together. Mm-hmm. And I think a little of that with the dating versus marriage too, is it's in our thought life. When you're dating, you think about this person you're in love with mm-hmm. all the time. And then you get yeah. married and you've got kids and you've got life. You're yeah. not thinking about them. No wonder you don't desire them. Totally. So we have to even think on our, if you think about, if you start thinking about your spouse, it mm-hmm. will increase your desire for them. It mm-hmm. absolutely will. So if you'll take time to just five minutes, just to think about your spouse and the things you love about them, they're, you know, physical characteristics, even their everything about them, it will increase your desire. So that is a piece of our lack of desire is our thought life too. So I love that. We okay. talked so much about how your thoughts affect what, yeah. what it goes on in here will come out here. Yes. Yes. And yes. it's so important to take captive yeah. your thoughts and to be renewed by the renewal of your mind. It's, yeah. it's scriptural as well, right? It is. Absolutely. It so absolutely we all like is. to ask all of our guests here on Girl Water Your Grass, what's yeah. some advice you can give to the listeners today on how to water their marriage this week? Just practically speaking, give yeah. us a few tips, pearls, okay. ideas, a date night okay. challenge, anything you want. <laughs> Go on a date. Outside of our relationship with Christ, the number one best thing Brad and I do for our marriage is date on a weekly basis. Because if you're not making your marriage a priority, it won't be. You can't fit your marriage in around your life. You have to fit your life around your marriage. So go on a date with your spouse. If you have little kids at home and you don't have any money, put them to bed, leave your phones inside. It's getting ready to be pretty outside. Put a blanket in your backyard, lay out under the stars, take food. I mean, you can be creative, but you really, I think it's best if you can get out of the house today, but I'm telling you, if you, yes, outside of your, yes, pursue the Lord, go on a date, you will if you will get grace to where you're extending grace rather than getting offended, that will be huge. But also, okay. So I want you to take five minutes a day to think about your spouse. Oh, we think so about good. everything. We think about everything. We replay conversations in our head. I do it all the time, but how often am I sitting there and thinking about Brad and saying, Lord, show me how to creatively love Brad. When I sit down and do that, there's a, there's a preacher, CJ Mahaney. He spends 30 minutes every Monday morning, just writing down how he's going to love his wife that week. Oh, that's beautiful. Mm. Isn't that beautiful? So, so I, and, um, so spend at least five minutes a day at the beginning of the day after your quiet time of the Lord. Okay, Lord, how am I going to love my spouse today? Show me some ways. And if you sit there, God will give you crazy creative ideas on how to love your spouse. 
Give yeah. us a couple of fun, creative date nights other than going to dinner yeah. that you all have done. Okay. Well, we, you know, we love to rollerblade. I've sent, I've hurt my hip, so I, we can't run anymore. We used to run at the beginning of all of our dates, but now we'll rollerblading. Um, just in, right. Winter's hard. Fun. You have but, fun. But in the summer, it gets so much easier to have good dates. You can go hiking on trails. You know, one thing we do is um, we've gone through our favorite fast foods and gotten just like McDonald's French fries and then go and get our favorite burger. We've, you know, just done fun things like that. But um, it's I think in the winter we go to there's a hotel in town that has a beautiful lobby. And we never run into people in a hotel lobby in Owensboro. Yeah. We go sit in the lobby and we'll have coffee or we there's one that has um has a fire pit outside and some holiday we'll in out back. Too. Yeah. Kept secret. Don't tell. So yeah, if you don't have it, go sit in a hotel lobby somewhere, go out back and enjoy the amenities of the hotel and don't pay any price to stay there. <laughs> That's right. That's there a great go. idea. I love it. And you know, sometimes Will and I'll skedaddle over to Evansville or just somewhere where you don't run into people, you know, because when you see people, yes. you want to talk to them and you're excited, yes. but it does defeat the purpose. Yeah. Of you know, we've even been on a run and like had people like, "I'm can I join y'all?" I'm like, "Are you socially aware? We're by ourselves right now without kids. Yes. No, we don't really want you to run with us." Yes, <laughs> yes. Oh, I love it. This is so good. Such wisdom here. And tell us where our listeners can find you. Is it great? Gracemarriage.com. Gracemarriage.com. You can find us at Gracemarriage.com. So right. we'll link everything in the show notes. So just mm-hmm. we encourage all of our listeners to invest in your marriage to not wait until you're in crisis mode. Um, but to invest, to make a plan and you all have the plan already made for us. So all we have to do is show up and execute what they have beautifully written. I mean, Brad and Marilyn are the best people and they're just brilliant besides the fact, I know you all are so humble, but they've been very blessed intellectually as well. So to write down and to create just a, a plan that is beautiful. So Go like, share this episode, get it out there and just encourage people because as we rebuild and heal the families and as we heal Mm -hmm. marriages and make those strong, we will in turn have strong families, which will create a strong culture. And that's right. More than ever. No wonder the enemy wants to destroy marriages because if you break down marriage, you break down all of culture and he wins. We're here to build the kingdom not to break it down. That's right. That's so, right. Thank well, you so thanks. much for being here with us. Thank you for having me. It's and a we good will, to be with you girls. So good. We'll see you all next week on Girl, What Are Your Grabs?